Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Are there more bank dominoes to fall? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Andy Constant, CEO of Damped Spring Advisors. Hi, Andy. It's great to see you. Hey, Maggie. Pleasure to be here. So let's start with those banks. Uh, First Republic down 47%, I think, maybe even a little bit more as we close here, um, cast a real shadow over the market today. You know, what's your sense of what's happening with the U.S. banking system? How worried should we be? Well, um, so there are lots of things happening. Um, but what I what I take from the First Republic situation is that the First Republic Bank had about, uh, call it, little over $150 billion of assets, and those assets um, are um, down relative to their uh, deposits, and we saw the deposit flight. Um, First Republic was in a more difficult situation um, than other banks because their assets are municipal bonds and loans and commercial real estate, um, mostly mortgages, um, and those were not... um, uh, federally backed, so they couldn't be used in any of the more traditional uh, banking programs, that the new programs that were announced. And so what we saw, and based on their earnings recently, we saw that uh, First Republic has uh, most of its liabilities are either small about or are insured depositors, and then most of the rest is loans um, given to them by the funding given to them by the FHLB, the discount window, and the 30 bank consortium. And so that deposit base is actually very, very sticky. So we don't have a bank run situation going on in FRB. Uh, So I think that's really important because everyone's looking at this and just wondering, you know, is it gonna sort of catch fire, right? Is this, if, if, if there's trouble here and it's contained, but you know, what's next, what's coming next? Is your sense that this is a more case by case basis? Is the system as a whole functioning? Or are we going to kind of see this slow rolling issue where we have problems and they're ring fenced, but then after a little while, you're going to see the strain someplace else? Well, sure. So the the big issue, I think, is that uh, first we have to get through First Republic because it is a large bank and it it almost certainly needs to um, liquidate in some way, whether that takes a long time or happens suddenly. And I think the, um, but it needs to be resolved. Um, $30 billion of deposits from the consortium come due in um, 86 days. And so, and we saw today, um, they've 
offered 100 billion of their assets for sale. Mm -hmm. And so that should come to an end relatively quickly. And the question is, will it need any government uh, backing? Um, my point of view on that is um, every regulator from both the FDIC and the Federal Reserve, and likely most of, if not all of the consortium banks and many others who are interested in the assets of First Republic have been through that balance sheet. And if that balance sheet's market value was worth less than its liabilities, the FDIC would have seized the bank and they haven't done that yet. Um, so to me, uh, the resolution will happen relatively quickly, but really has been um, delayed by the hope of the management to go through time and get back on their feet, which is possible if they just hold everything to maturity. But because their liabilities uh, have this $30 billion private sector deposit, um, they can't really be a zombie bank as much as we might think they could be uh, because at some point, they're going to, the uh, consortium is going to want their money back. And at that point, the balance sheet has to be sold. And so I expect it to be sold and I expect it to have very little impact, if at all, on the um, secured, the, the depositors, the remaining depositors, um, or the bank, the, um, the government lenders, um, but may wipe out the equity. Mm. And to me, that is a fine resolution of the matter. And then you get into the bigger, more systemic issues, which is the ongoing, well, are there any others? Mm -hmm. um, I think we would have begun hearing about others by now. And frankly, First Republic was consuming most of the discount window usage and the BTFP program was relatively small. And so those two combinations of things indicate that it was mostly a First Republic problem. And the rest of the banking system, there may be some concentrated an, another bank. We don't know. I, I would expect there probably is because that's the way these things go. But is it systemic? Uh, doesn't seem so yet. And the question is, what could happen in the future that could cause banks to suffer more? And there are a variety of reasons. Yeah. So what, and that's exactly what I think where we go, right? We kind of know there might be others, but that it, that hangover of this rolling into something systemic is I think what keeps people up at night. What would be a condition that would create that, that you would worry about? What, what are you looking at to, to see whether it jumps to that situation? Well, let's start with the cleaning up of the existing duration risk. That is where Sovereign Bank, uh, sorry, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and now First Republic Bank have suffered. They bought bonds when interest rates were very low and they didn't hedge them. And so once that gets cleaned up, then we're in a different situation. And that situation is the normal banking situation, which is um, credit risk. And these banks have credit risk and the most popular bear case is a um, weakening office market and thus the credit risk of the lenders to uh, commercial real estate are going to suffer credit losses. And that's a, a risk 
Um, and then the other thing, which I think a lot of commentators are discussing, is the um, deposit rates for every deposit have just begun to tick up. And there are many other competitive places to put your money. And so that squeezes the NIM, the net interest margin of banks, until, by the way, not forever, but until their loan book and their new business book adjusts to the higher interest rates and the loans are carried at a higher interest rate. And so we're in that phase, and that means, you know, a headwind on earnings um, driven by more expensive funding, not non-existent funding. We're not talking about bank runs. We're just talking about banks offer a lot of service for their low deposit rate in that you don't have to compete with a um, T-bill or a money market fund because T-bills don't offer checking. Money markets funds, though they've been offering checking for a long time, have never really been a home for transactional savings. And uh, so anyway, there'll be a pressure, and I think that pressure will be a meaningful headwind on banks going forward. And then add on top of, once the duration issue is cleared up, and I think the regulators are going to make significant changes in regulations that will um, not allow the type of curve running, riding that um, banks have done in the past. When those things hit, you know, that'll hurt their profitability as well. Uh, but then you have credit risk and the squeeze on their uh, cost of funding. So uh, profitability, not systemic right now. Um, just a reminder, we are, of course, going to do questions. So go ahead and put them in the chat uh, and we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, and I'm going to take one from John right now, which is kind of related to, to some of this, uh, Andy. But first, just want to let everybody know, Microsoft looks like Microsoft and Al Alphabet out after the close. Looks like both did better on revenue. Um, and profit, and importantly, Alphabet going to buy back added shares up to 70 billion, Class A and Class C. Um, both of those stocks up 4% in after hours. So we'll talk about tech a little bit later. But um, this question, I want to stick on banks and, and credit for the, for the moment. Um, this question is from John. Can you comment on why we haven't seen stress in corporate bond land? Looking at the LQD, HYG, uh, JNK, they all bottom in October 22 after the UK pension crisis. I expected to see them at new lows after the banking issues in March this year. Sure. So banking credit is quite a bit wider. Um, we've seen lots of CDS quotes from banks that are on the verge of, of breaking. But industrials, um, they're in pretty good shape. Their earnings are historic. Well, they've come down a little bit. Um, their balance sheets have been financed at extremely low rates that we've experienced for decades. Um, and, uh, you know, for the companies that don't have ongoing financing needs, uh, conditions are pretty good. Nominal growth being as high as it is, is very good for earnings and very good for free cash flow. And then you look at just the simple thing. Um, I look at corporates and say corporates are just equity with limited upside and all the downside. So they look like some sort of combination of a long equity position and, um, you know, short a put. And 
or just short a put would be a better way of saying it. And volatility has also come down a lot. So a combination of low volatility in corporations and pretty high stock prices with very low nominal, very high nominal earnings and very low cost of funding is a pretty good position for corporations until they need money in the future. And that speaks to who needs money and the credits that have, you know, credit walls coming up in or over levered, which are not the investment grade, um, but for the high yield market over levered and have bond maturities that are coming up soon. And frankly, that's just not a very large group. Um, most bonds that are corporate bonds that are issued are five years or longer in maturity. And anybody who needed money that wanted to borrow could borrow during the COVID crisis at extremely low rates. And so I think their corporate credits are, you know, they're, they're actually my favorite long. And I'm not, and I, and I, if you've followed me at all, I'm not long any assets right now. If I had to be long any asset, it would be a corporate bond, a corporate credit, not the bond itself. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. So and when you're saying that, what do you mean? So not, not corporate bonds, not an ETF of corporate bonds, or would you? Spreads of corporate bonds, okay. which can be found in something like um, the HLQ, the LQDH, or I believe that's the ticker of the um, spread product. That is, if corporates do well, you do well, but you don't have interest rate exposure. Okay, that's really important. I'm glad I asked you that. It's a really important distinction. So, John, I, I hope that helps out because you, the, the tickers that you quoted were, I think, more direct exposure to. Right, they have uh, both basket. bond and credit exposure, and that may not be what you want. Bonds have been doing well lately, but that may not be what you want if you want right. to your bet on corporates. Right, great question, John. Thank you for asking it. So, um, Andy, we were talking a little bit before we came on, and you've been, uh, and I'm sure a, a lot of our viewers have been reading it, you've been in a very active back and forth on Twitter with Jim Bianco, another friend of the show, uh, about some of the dynamics happening in the short end of the treasury yield curve, um, specifically between one month and three month bills, I think. Why is this important? Why are you both looking at this area so much? Or well, is it important? Well, what's going on there that caught both of your attention? Well, it's unusual um, for um, the three-month bill to the one-month bill to be so low in yield relative to anywhere any other form of one-month money, which includes, and that means also shorter money like um, seven-day or RRP money, which is the reverse repo program, money market fund money or um, longer term money. And so, you know, that's an unusual circumstance worth, worth thinking about. Um, and so there are a variety of theories that are going around. Um, and, you know, that's what the conversation's been about. 
So what do you, what, what do you think? Because I have seen, I know Lynn Alden, a bunch of you have been tweeting about the fact that this is sort of unprecedented. So what do you think's happening there? What is it telling you? Well, so what do we know? We know that um, in some number of days that people uh, have estimated between 75 and maybe 125 days, the government could shut down. Um, and when the government shuts down, well, we don't know what could happen. Um, I don't think anything bad could happen at all. Just to be clear, I think this will be fine. The odds of the government not honoring its payments to um, um, creditors and um, its accounts, employees, all that sort of thing, I, I think they're going to pay. But there could be some drama. There will, let me just say this. I think there very much will be some drama along the way to that resolution. And in 2013, that resolution required a um, series of sequestrations in which the Congress essentially took over the spending. And then subsequently, a outright closure of many services, including, you know, we all saw this. Um, it was chain, ugly. Right. Chain, chains linked around Yellowstone. Um, National Arts. Park and um, Smithsonian closed and workers furloughed federal employees that were deemed non-essential furloughed but everyone got their every bondholder got their payments and every um, beneficiary of um, social security checks unemployment insurance and other entitlements the military got its its salaries all those things happened, um, but ultimately the the Congress decided it was um, time to move on, and they resolved the issue and raised the debt ceiling. Um, and so we never came to the true crisis where we would have had to take further steps because we run a deficit every day. Um, take further steps, which would include prioritizing payments, which could create a significant issue regarding um, the constitutionality of such a thing. But certain payments like Social Security might have been prioritized over debt payments, et cetera. Um, and we never came to that. And I don't think we'll come to it again, but there'll be some fear about it. And fear generates some activity. Um, so anyway, that's the long way of saying that date is coming. I don't know what 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 the steps will be, and we can all estimate it by dividing the checking account of the bank of the of the treasury by the daily deficit and so make some estimate of that. And we have more certainty now that the tax, the big tax inflows in um, last week came in and we know what they are. Um, I've narrowed it down to somewhere between July 15th and July 30th, but the point being this. So here you are as an investor. And if you have no one to answer to, which is, you know, not a typical situation, um, professional money managers have bosses and they have clients. And um, if you're a money manager who is not an investor, but earning money by investing other people's money, you get a salary and maybe you get a performance fee, but most of the time you have a job. And... Here you are, and you own some bonds or bills, or you're looking to buy bills that mature after 
the debt crisis D-Day? Well, what I would do is I'd say, hey, listen, boss, client, this is a problem. I don't think you should do anything, but what do you think? And if the boss says, oh, it's your decision, or the client says, uh, it's your decision, and they don't own the responsibility for making the decision, you have only one decision to make, and that is to sell those bonds and buy one-month bills that are safe. Because you have literally no financial upside, and if you make a mistake and they have a, there's a delay in which they have access to their money, or God forbid they were to get something really bad and unexpected were to happen, and you couldn't get all your money back in a timely fashion, um, you're fired. And so some of that firing is going on, that uh, let's, let, let's not get fired. And I right. sat in a seat like that and experienced firsthand that decision-making process. And what we're seeing is um, the only bill that is certain to not fall into the window that's being auctioned right now is this one month. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The one month, right. So people are people are risk averse from the uh, leaders and people in Washington not making a colossal mistake and they're not going to take a chance. So it's sort of telling you that they're they're going where they're safe. So let me ask you this, um, Jim Jim Bianco, I think we have a um, a chart that Jim tweeted out. Uh, and he- One about volume, yeah. I think it's actually the one with the Fed funds future uh, or the um, the Fed funds forward market. And so he's sort of wondering that there's, he's kind of reading that as massive amounts of new money coming into money markets and ultra short funds. And he's thinking of it more as a bank walk, not a run, right? But a bank walk and that people are still moving money out of the deposit system and banking and maybe into really short, again, just because they're unsure, maybe driven by the same fear of what I don't know, but do you do you agree with that? And does that concern you that there's still instability or a lack of confidence in the banking system? Right. So I think the 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 what a dynamic that's occurring, and it's shifting by the way, real time, is this idea that um, deposits offer a less competitive rate than other alternatives like bills. Though right now that deposit premium to the one month, the premium of yield to the one, on the one month bill isn't anywhere near what it used to be. And so there's a self-correcting nature to that. But yeah, um, people are saying, uh, even with an insured deposit, what am I doing in um, a bank that's paying me nothing or close to nothing when I can go into a money market fund? And so it's a natural flow. And I think that dynamic is occurring. And, um, you know, uh, does that mean the banking system fails? 
No, what it means is the banking system has to adjust its rates to decide whether to be competitive. And by doing so, it retains its depositors at the expense of profits. Yeah. That's so the, that's I think the that's, tough I think, one. So I think you can, and I said that at the beginning, I think you can make a very clear case for a persistent headwind of weaker bank earnings as they compete for deposits. But the idea that interest rates going up pulls deposits out of the system is um, has a, some basic flaws. Because they don't serve the same purpose as banks, as you mentioned before, with checking and all of the other types of... Well, what I mean to say is that um, except when money goes to the uh, reverse repo program, which is um, with a, is only overnight money, essentially, um, any other investment in a T-bill, the person who sells the T-bill to you when you go and buy it is either in the secondary market and now they have your deposit and it doesn't leave the deposit system, or the U.S. government sells you the, the, the deposit in a primary issuance and they deposit the money into the beneficiary of spending's deposit. So no money leaves the system unless it goes to the reverse repo program. Or, and, and the only way to actually destroy money from the system is to move it to the reverse repo program or have quantitative tightening remove it from the system. Mm. And See, this is why we got to get the credit guys on because they help us understand what's happening. Right. So I would say that the idea of a anything that anyone who says um, raising interest rates, if the RRP didn't even exist, it does. So it's an important thing and you have to track it. But it's basically been stable for many months. Even during this crisis, it's been relatively stable. Um, Anyone who says it's interest rates that are pulling money from the, the banking system isn't really following the money. And you got to follow the money. So uh, this kind of brings us around to the Fed. And it was really important, I think, to have that conversation about banking because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I think it's really, really important to walk through what's happening. And there's a lot of fear. Um, but now this sort of comes to the issue of the Fed. So our managing editor, Samuel, sat down with Larry McDonald for the latest episodes of Three Ideas. And Larry made the argument that these, some of these banking pressures, which have been building since 08, will eventually force the Fed's hand. Let's have a listen to what he said, and we'll talk on the other side. That whole response uh, to the Lehman crisis from, you know, from all the federal officials, from, you know, the FDIC onto the Fed, onto the OCC, that response has actually created a backdrop that is in some ways helping money move into money market funds, which were backstopped by the Fed during the crisis. And it also pushes money toward big, uh, you know, too big to fail banks. So in essence, the financial crisis of 2008 is sowing the seeds of the destruction of our regional banking system. And at the, at the end of the day, if, if the longer the Fed keeps the Fed funds rate near 5%, they will drain the banking system dry. And so the beast in the market is gonna force them to stop 
right here. And I think they probably cut rates by 100 bips by this time next year. And that full interview where Larry gives his three best trade ideas right now is available on our website. If you're not already a member, you can scan the QR code and sign up. Uh, so, Andy, do you think the Fed, like ultimately the Fed will be forced to choose between financial stability and inflation? I mean, is that just where this is going? Well, what I would say is that we don't know. Um, I think that um, it would be very unlikely that inflation will be permanently um, stable and at or below target um, without the economy facing some significant difficulties, which may or may not result in a banking crisis. Um, I'm of the belief that it probably won't result in a banking crisis, but that also makes it much, much more difficult to kill inflation because a banking crisis is actually is pretty pretty darn useful for hurting an economy. And I don't think we're well set up for the type of banking crisis that um, would hurt the major banks. So we have a question uh, from a bunch of initials, SBD758. <laughs> Are you bullish the US dollar in the short term to medium term? Why or why not? So right now, actually, I would love to give you a good answer. Right now, I'm fairly neutral on the US dollar. Um, I actually think that um, the um, euro um, yen is the best cross to play right now. I like the euro more than I like the dollar and much more than I like the yen. Um, but um, that leaves me fairly neutral, the dollar against major currencies. So I don't have a strong opinion, so I wouldn't give you an explanation for why I don't have a strong opinion. I'd rather give you one in which I actually have them. <laughs> and so um, we have we have earnings coming out. So we kind of brush past them right at the top, but we just had two big tech names come out. Uh, they're doing well, but we've got a, a few more coming down the road. What are you feeling about equities? Because some of the earnings we PepsiCo reported today, they seem to be able to deal with pushing these prices on. Uh, Coke was better than expected yesterday, but it's been mixed elsewhere. Um, how are you feeling about the US equity market right now? Right. So I guess overall, um, I, I think the important thing is to say, I don't have a strong sense of, I do believe that eventually to kill inflation, we will need to have a something other than a mild recession, something more like a recession without any qualifiers. I think labor needs to, um, we need to see some unemployment, unfortunately. Um, so, now the question is when, and it's a battle between uh, how high and for how long will inflation stay sticky before jobs start, the tightening causes jobs to uh, get cut, which brings inflation down. Um, and very importantly, quantitative tightening withdraws some of this very significant monetary stimulus that still is flowing through the system. And so to, an to answer that, I think you have to have a path. And if you are, if you believe, which many do, Larry, for instance, with his quote on, um, on um, forward interest rate cuts, is expecting a recession that will happen fairly quickly, possibly a severe one and possibly led by um, uh, a banking crisis of some sort. In that world, equities does do poorly. It's just 
That's that's what it, they do. Um, and then alternatively, uh, if you have a period of uh, strong nominal growth driven by both okay real growth, sort of slogging along at trend real growth, and higher than normal inflation, that's actually pretty good for earnings. And so that, and unfortunately, the Fed will have to stay higher for longer, uh, won't be able to make the 100 basis point cut Larry referred to in his, in his comments. Um, and that is actually okay for equities, but pretty bad for bonds. And so my view is nuanced. I think that the bond, this is where it comes back to pricing. And right now, um, someone who is very clearly negative about the economic outcome and stated in his conversation that uh, he expects a year from now interest rates to be 100 basis points lower. And that's because he's negative on the economy. What's ironic about that is that the market already prices 135 basis points of cuts. So even somebody who is pessimistic about the market and about the economy, who says, who predicts a 100 basis point cut, the market's way ahead of him. The market is fully, the short-term interest rate market is fully anticipating a pivot. Are they, they wrong? Well, they could be. If they're right, equities are trashed, right? If they're right, that means a recession. And in a recession, the $220, $222 S&P earnings for 2023 is $170. And so that's a pretty bearish outcome for equities, but it's already priced in the bond market. So mm -hmm. if you ha make that bet in the bond market, you don't make any money. Like you're right. There's a recession. They cut 135 basis points in the next year. You break even. You think it's more likely that they stay where they are or and continue QT? You think they can do that? So I think they can and they will. Um, but if jobs do, if we start getting significant negative prints, uh, ND, NFP prints, non-farm payroll prints, and the economy does roll off, they will begin, they'll pause for shorter and cut more, more, more frequently. But again, they have to cut 135 basis points in the next year just to break even on that bet. Mm. And so that seems unlikely to me that, well, if, if it's true, equities has to fall. Now, what if it's false and they are higher for longer? And I don't mean raising rates to six or seven or some wild number, but just not cutting or cutting 50 basis points. I'm going to make a ton of money betting at current bond market pricing I'm going to make a ton of money on bonds um, because they're going to sell off because interest rates stay higher than are priced. Whereas equities will rally. And, you know, I think how much equities can rally in a, the Fed stays tight inflation um, for a while is limited. And so to me, the best place to, to bet not knowing which environment's going to happen, the best place to bet is being short both markets because they're pricing in completely different things. And right, and both can't be right. I mean, like we've got- and Both can't be right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Andy, we got to leave it there, but, th but this was tremendous and so good to sort of get your thoughts and some clarity on what's happening with banking, especially on a day when we see those massive losses um, in First Republic and, you know, that sort of fear coming back into the market. So, so appreciate you joining us today. I enjoyed it. Anytime. Great. We'll love to have you back. And thanks to all of you for being with us and for the great questions. As always, we'll be back the same time tomorrow. Until then, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.